Welcome to the archives of Radio Curious. I'm Barry Vogel. Some of the most studied glaciers in the world are found in Glacier Bay National Park, located in southeastern Alaska. These expansive ice sheets cover approximately 10% of the Earth's surface and hold 80% of the world's fresh water, 99% of which can be found in Greenland and Antarctica. Due to gravity's pull, glaciers shape and scour the landscape, moving land and vegetation great distances as they slowly slide downward toward the sea. This glacial movement has created rich farmland, vast deposits of gravel and sand, and concentrated valuable metals, depending on where the glaciers have traveled. Glaciers also create deep valleys and fjords, like the kind seen in Glacier Bay National Park in Alaska. Laura Cheek was a National Park Ranger in Glacier Bay National Park in 1996 when this program was recorded on a tour ship in Glacier Bay. As part of her job, she boarded tour ships in Glacier Bay to discuss glaciers, what they're like, and how they're formed. She begins our conversation, which was recorded in a noisy room, by describing how glaciers are formed. I asked her when we met on a tour ship in a gaming room, about how glaciers are formed. It's a really, it's a pretty set process for how glaciers around the world are created and it basically starts with the precipitation up in high elevations. The snow. The snow, exactly, getting caught by the tops of the mountains. And here in Glacier Bay, uh, basically above 6,000 feet anything, any precipitation above 6,000 feet falls as snow. Year-round? Year-round. Mm -hmm. So on the tops of the mountains that we have here along the coast, we get about 100 feet of snow every year. Mm -hmm. Now these mountains are 10 to 15,000 feet above sea level, mm -hmm. so it's quite an elevation and they do a pretty good job at catching all of the moisture that rides up on the Pacific wind currents. Mm -hmm. So the glaciers here are very well fed and when that snow falls it builds up year after year and through the years the weight of the snowfall on top of the former year's snowfall will cause the former snow to change shape and turn into ice, to turn into glacial ice. Right. It, it crushes. Right. It becomes more dense. Right, exactly. And glacial ice tends to be extremely dense and to have very few air bubbles within mm -hmm. it. So it's very compact. And then once the ice forms a large enough area, then gravity will start taking a hold and start taking a pull on the ice and cause it to move. Moving to the lowest point. Right, causing it to move downhill, mm -hmm. um, whichever way it can, mm -hmm. in previously formed valleys 
or cracks that the glacier will then expand as it moves. And when it moves, it picks up debris along the way and drags it with it. Right. It acts kind of like sandpaper mm -hmm. as it moves. Except big sandpaper. Big sand, really big sandpaper. And it's actually not the ice itself that's doing the carving. It's the rock that the ice picks up that acts as a tool to carve out the valley. So then it would depend on the density of the rock that's picked up scraping along the density of the rock that's uh, stable as to whether or not it would be carved out? The, the hardness and softness, yes, mm -hmm. the density of the mm -hmm. rock. And so therefore softer rocks, such as limestone, will be more clearly marked, will be carved mm -hmm. more easily than harder rocks like granite. Mm -hmm. So then when we see some of the, the glaciers uh, being black in color. The blackness is caused by those rock tools that the glacier has picked up in its journey. And you oftentimes see more black on the sides of the glaciers uh, because those are the areas of the glacier that's been in contact with the sides of the mountains. In other words, the dirt that it picks up. Right. This moves right along the edges. Exactly. The dirt becomes a part of the glacier, mm -hmm. an integral part of the glacier mm -hmm. itself. Well, if we jump to another part of the world for a minute, what would be some other areas that are well known that, are caught, that were created by glaciation? Mm -hmm. I know Yosemite Valley is one. Right. Yosemite Valley is a really well-known example, but actually there's Currently, there are glaciers on every continent except for Australia. So each one of those continents has been shaped by glaciers. Um, in South America, in the mountains along the Pacific coast, there are glaciers there. And there actually are glaciers in Africa. In fact, recently studies have shown that there were glaciers covering the Sahara Desert thousands of years mm -hmm. ago. And they're seeing, they have seen evidence by the marks of the rock tools that were in the glaciers, what we call striations or glacial grooves, they found that on the Sahara be Desert bedrock. And by looking at those marks, they know that a glacier was there. Those are the footsteps of a glacier, so to speak. Let's talk about Glacier Bay again. I understand that uh, as recently as 200 years ago, the bay then was a glacier. Yes. So it's receding at, um, what is it, 62, 63 miles in a 200-year period? Yes. What can we expect? We don't know. There is a lot of factors involved and that are playing in Glacier Bay. One is that there is a good food source for these glaciers. There's a lot of ice up in the mountains that's constantly replenishing the glaciers here. And, and that's, that's from the snowfall year-round at any elevation above 6,000 feet. Exactly. Okay. So some of the glaciers in Glacier Bay, because of that, are advancing, once again, mm -hmm. because they are well-fed. So it could be that there will be continued advance, and mm. it will, it'll cover Glacier Bay once again. By advance, even getting bigger, as opposed to uh, moving forward uh, as um, a unit, or both? Both. What we're seeing here is a moving forward. We don't really know 
whether the glacier is actually growing or not, whether it's expanding in its upper reaches as well as its lower reaches. But we do know that the faces of some of the glaciers in Glacier Bay have extended out further into the water, into the fjord, in the past 70 years. How old are these glaciers here in Glacier Bay? The ice that we see in at the face of these glaciers is estimated to be between two and five hundred years old. One of the glaciers that we see, Marjorie Glacier, calculating the speed at which it moves forward every day and its length and the amount of snowfall up in the mountains, we theorize that it's the ice that we see at the face is about two to three hundred years old. So then over that period of time, it would be an entirely new ice creation. Right, because the glaciers are constantly moving forward. Mm -hmm. Whether they're actually pushing out, whether they're actually advancing or not, mm -hmm. is another question. But mm -hmm. uh, glacial ice always moves downhill because of the force of gravity. Mm -hmm. Within the glacier bay, there's an ecosystem of its own. There's flora and fauna that is unique mm -hmm. to this part of the world. Mm -hmm. Tell us about it. Mm. It's a fascinating part of Glacier Bay, particularly because of the incredibly rapid retreat of the glaciers here. You know, 250 mm -hmm. years ago, the landscape we see today did not exist. It was completely covered with ice. So all of the plants and the animals that we see on the land, in the water, our recent arrivals mm -hmm. have all come to Glacier Bay in the past 250 years. And it's not easy to get to Glacier Bay. We're completely surrounded by mountains mm -hmm. and by water. So all of the newcomers to Glacier Bay, all the inhabitants now, have either needed to come in by water, right. or to come in by air, mm -hmm. or to come over the mountain passes. Mm -hmm. So the plants themselves are fascinating because of that resettlement through time. Mm -hmm. Well, what kind of critters would come over the mountain passes? The, where the fish would swim, exactly. the birds would fly. Right. But if you're talking about 16,000 foot mountains, the passes are Are high. pretty high as well. And really the only animals that have been able to come into Glacier Bay are the ones that do well in those extremes mm -hmm. of temperature and height. Mountain goats mm -hmm. are a really good example. We don't have any sheep in Glacier Bay. They haven't made it here. But the mountain goats mm -hmm. are adapted to climbing through the snow and in the high mountains and have adapted easily to being in Glacier Bay and have gotten here easily. Now, other animals that don't do as well up high in the snow areas have mostly come through the mountain pass, particularly from, there's one mountain pass in particular that comes down from Haines, and that's the pass that the moose and the wolves and the coyotes have come through. And that's only been in the past 40 or 50 years that moose have come into Glacier Bay, and it's through that one mountain pass. So then, what I think we have, if we compare this ecosystem to the ecosystem on the Galapagos Islands, for example, we're right at the very beginning years, 40, 50 years, 
of a change of the survival of the fittest yes. and moving into what is available. Right. Are then are the creatures and the plant life that we find here uh, similar to the creatures and plant life in other glacially created fjords in this part of Alaska? And they're just move, they're just increasing their territory and their region. Right, because particularly the plants, they can't travel too far. You know, the spores and the seeds, the pollen have to travel by wind. So they haven't come from too far away. And it's the same mm -hmm. for the land animals. Now the marine mammals have come greater difference, uh, distances. Well, let me ask you about the, the marine animals and the whales. Are, are they different than the salmon who go back to spawn in the creek where they were born? Or be, and they just find a new place to go and say, let's look up there? A lot of times, yes. And, that, and actually, there are a lot of salmon in the streams here. And it's because of those few errant salmon that mm -hmm. did not go back to their spawning streams and for some reason have found mm -hmm. new streams here in Glacier Bay. Mm -hmm. And for the marine mammals like the whales and the seals, there is some evidence that they do return year mm -hmm. after year, and particularly studies done with the humpback whales. Except they couldn't have come here more than 200 years ago. Exactly. So maybe when you talk about the errant salmon, it's really uh, the natural selection and perhaps the genetic mutation that would uh, cause them to re-navigate. Could be. The charting new territories, the pioneers, mm -hmm. so to speak. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'd like to ask you about the um, other critters that live here. But before I do, I want to say that we're talking uh, with Laura Cheek, who is a wildlife uh, biologist and an... In kind of a general naturalist. So and you're a ranger with the National Park Service at Glacier Bay National Park and Preserve yes. in Gustavos, Alaska. Yes. You're listening to Radio Curious, and my name is Barry Vogel. Laura, tell us about some of the mammals that live in the area, both off, and off the land and in the land. Both the terrestrial and the marine. There is quite a variety, and they're all very hardy to <laughs> speak. Um, in the water, we do have a lot of humpback whales that come here to feed, basically. Mm -hmm. And they depend, they come up to your feet because the waterway in Glacier Bay is extremely productive in the small marine creatures that the whales eat. And they're only up here in the summertime when those small creatures, the krill, the euphosids, and the herring are up here as well. They spend the rest of their time in the way across the Pacific and mostly in Hawaii. Mm -hmm. That's where they spend their winters. And I understand that they don't eat there, they only eat here? Right. They Basically all they do in Hawaii is mate and give birth to their young. And then they trek all the way back up mm -hmm. to Glacier Bay where they have good food. And how far is that from here to Hawaii, to the Hawaiian area? A long way. I'm not sure how many, how long mm -hmm. in terms of miles. Mm -hmm. It's a good question, but quite a ways. And then there are uh, bears. Yes. Tell us about the bears. The bears. We have 
usually two main types of bears here, the black bear and the brown bear. The brown bear is the same species as the grizzly bear, but we call it the brown bear to distinguish it from the grizzly because it has a different habitat in a way, and they're bigger. The brown bears are actually bigger than the grizzlies. The grizzlies are in the interior of Alaska. The brown bears are on the coast, and they're bigger because they have more food sources. They can feed on the salmon mm -hmm. and the barnacles and the other fish. Mm -hmm along the coast. And they live along this area where there are not glaciers. Right. They don't live on the glaciers. They don't live on the glacier at all. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you can see their tracks on the snow next mm -hmm. to the glaciers, but they live along the beach line and up in the mountains as well. Mm -hmm. Now the brown bears you'd find closer up to the glaciers. Mm -hmm. They survive well and seem to prefer the land that's more barren, that's not forested the land that has the new, fresh, young vegetation, those pioneer plants, mm -hmm. and they're well adapted to digging of those plants and eating the roots. Mm -hmm. They're mostly vegetation, vegetarian, brown bears are, despite their reputation mm -hmm. as being um, big meat eaters. They do survive mostly on the vegetation up by the glacier. Now the black bear, which is a little bit smaller, we tend to find further south in the bay, the areas that have been exposed from the ice longer and have the forest now in place. And they're really well adapted to climbing trees still. Mm -hmm. But they're also mostly vegetarian. Now we also have in Glacier Bay a bear called the Glacier Bear. And it's a subspecies of the black bear. And the theory is that the glacier bear developed long ago, thousands of years ago, when most of Alaska and most of North America was covered with glaciers. And a colony or a bunch of the black bears were isolated and adapted to the snow and ice conditions by developing a white sheen in their, on their fur. The tips of the fur are silver or a white mm -hmm. color. And now, with the ice that's, that's retreated, those glacier bears have interbred with the black bears, so that it's a recessive gene for the glacier bear. But this year, we've had several sightings of glacier bears in Glacier Bay, which is pretty unique and, and pretty yeah. exciting. Do you think that the development of the creation of this white sheen on the glacier bear's fur is to protect them from predators? I would say so. What would their predators be? Not many for a yeah, bear. They're, they're pretty big critters. Yeah, they are pretty big. I've heard reports that there are, have brown bears have been seen feeding on a black bear carcass. Wolves, mm -hmm. if they're in packs, will sometimes mm -hmm. run down a week or mm -hmm. um, a young black bear. Mm -hmm. I understand that if we look at the rocks in this area and along the fjords, if, if we know what to look for, it will help us interpret and understand the geological history. Yes. What, what, what will we look for? What, what does this mm. tell us? This place is chaotic geologically, and it's really confusing even to expert geolo geologists. Mm. But when you say this place, are you narrowing it to, uh, the, to Glacier, Glacier Bay? Glacier Bay in particular, but Southeast Alaska in general has a common history with Glacier Bay. 
for most all of the rocks in southeast Alaska originated across the Pacific Ocean. There's evidence in the rocks that we see in Glacier Bay and across southeast Alaska that tell us that the rocks that we see here now were millions of years ago part of the South Pacific Islands. And through the process of plate tectonic movement, mm -hmm. the Pacific plate is moving counterclockwise. And so those rocks are being brought up to the North American plate and colliding with the North American plate here in Southeast Alaska. And through the past millions of years, different layers at different kinds of rocks have smeared off, or what we called technically accreted onto the North American plate. And we can see several distinct terrains from different years that lumps of rock that were carried up by the Pacific plate have smeared off onto the North American plate. And in Glacier Bay, we can clearly see evidence of that. And by looking in some of the rocks, particularly the limestone and marble, that were one seabed floor in the Pacific, we can see fossils of creatures that match up to creatures in the South Pacific Islands. So that's one indication of that movement. How long would that movement take in geological time? From 20 million years ago up to 200 million years ago. It's a long way. Long, a long, long journey for long, rocks. Right. The whales can do it much yes. more quickly, right. but for the rocks it takes much longer. But it's a fascinating place to look at that, and particularly in Glacier Bay where it's been so recently deglaciated and so little vegetation has come in, we can really see the rocks clearly as we travel on the water. Mm -hmm. And it is possible, uh, maybe you could tell us how to do it, for people to uh, kayak up into this area and camp along the edge of, edge of Glacier Bay. Yes, it's a wonderful way to see Glacier Bay is by kayak. Is How is really, that done? Well, How does one there are get a few here? different ways. Um, just like the plants and animals, you get here by air or by right. water. Right. You can fly into Gustavus from Juneau or Skagway and take a bus to Glacier Bay to Bartlett Cove. And you can rent kayaks here in Bartlett Cove or in Gustavus and rent them for several days. And you can either leave right from Bartlett Cove, where the headquarters and the lodge are in Glacier Bay, and take your kayak up the bay. Or there is one tour boat that leaves from the lodge every day, and it has three drop-off points where it will drop off kayakers and campers onto land, and you can um, explore, explore the bay from there. Other ways to get to Glacier Bay besides flying into the airstrip in Gustavus is you can get here by boat. There is a ferry that goes from Gustavus daily. It's just a passenger ferry. That's the Alaska State Ferry? Actually, no. It's a private ferry um, run by a corporation in Juneau that also runs the concessions in Glacier Bay Park. It's quite remember the name of it, but getting mm -hmm. in touch with the park, you can get information. Mm -hmm. So you can take the ferry to Gustavus, small passenger ferry. Mm -hmm. It'll also take kayaks as well, though. Or you can take longer cruises that include Glacier Bay in mm -hmm. their itinerary. Mm -hmm. um, 
You are here working from basically the summer months to the fall yes, months? Yes, exactly. About the same season as the whales. Mm -hmm. um, I'm here as well, and that's basically the tourist season, which mm -hmm. is the beginning of May to the middle of mm -hmm. September. Wintertime, the park is open. People are welcome mm -hmm. to come in, but the weather is really iffy, really sketchy. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of storms in the fall, mm -hmm. but it is open. Mm -hmm. Glacier Bay is like any other national park in the United States, except it's unique in its own character. Yes, it has its own environment and its own um, idiosyncrasies, mm -hmm. or its, its own um, particulars and what mm -hmm. makes it a mm -hmm. special place. Mm -hmm. But it has the same rules and regulations that apply to any park, except that one thing that is also unique about Glacier Bay, that it includes the waterway in mm -hmm. Glacier Bay, and those are also protected, which is unusual in the national park system. We have about 55,000 acres of protected marine waterways mm -hmm. that all users of the waterway need to comply mm -hmm. to the park regulations. Well, I want to thank you for joining us here on Radio Curious, but before we go, I want to ask you the question I like to ask all of my guests at the end of an interview, and that is, could you tell us about an interesting book that you've read lately? Mm. There's one that I'm reading right now that I particularly enjoy, and it's about Southeast Alaska, not Glacier Bay in particular, but it's called The Island Within by... Richard Nelson, I believe that's the author's name, definitely Richard, and he writes about his experiences on an island that he doesn't name and he won't tell the location of in southeast Alaska. And it's a similar feeling that he describes that I feel in Glacier Bay, kind of a, a definite respect for the landscape, the animals that live here, its history, and its spirit in a way. And he really has wonderful descriptions about his feelings about the environment and about what the environment is doing. Well, Laura Cheek, thank you very much for joining us here on Radio Curious. Thank you very much. This was indeed a pleasure. There's another excellent book on glaciers that I would recommend that uh, you obtain if you uh, wish more information on this fascinating topic. It's called Glaciers by Michael Hambray and Jörg Alien. It's published by Cambridge University in 1992 by Cambridge University Press. Laura Cheek was a national park ranger in Glacier Bay National Park in 1996 when this program was recorded. As part of her job, she boarded tour ships in Glacier Bay to discuss glaciers, what they're like, and how they're formed. The book that Laura Cheek recommended is The Island Within by Richard Nelson. I suggest that if you're interested in glaciers, look at a book called Glaciers by Michael Hambray. Copies of this and other editions of Radio Curious can be found on our website www.radiocurious.org There are over 750 archives on our website, radiocurious.org, and I'm honored to tell you that Radio Curious is now part of the collection at the Library of Congress. 
We appreciate your cards, ideas, and letters, and do enjoy hearing from you. The email is curious at radiocurious.org. The postal address is 700 West Smith Street, Ukiah, California, 95482. The phone is 707-621-5075. Ignacio Ayala is the assistant producer. I'm host and producer Barry Vogel. Thank you for listening.